Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Jordan, Montana. I'm very excited to introduce a brand new series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. All right, so we are still in part 16. This is part two. And this one is titled Your Reasonable Service. This is a follow-up to our research of last week about Jesus being called a Nazarene. And so we're finding ourselves, our starting verses in Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we just come before you right now, and we want to say that we just want to worship you. We would just want to have our hearts and minds follow after you. And I pray, Father, that we just have a wonderful time fellowshipping with one another and worshiping you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Your reasonable service, it wouldn't probably uh, it, it wouldn't probably shock you that it's it's talking about obedience, but I, I wanna I wanna clarify something right now. Okay, and this is to cover those because um, there's a really dear friend of mine talks to me constantly, continually, and I always have to remember this, and I, I want to make sure because I personally cannot talk about grace without talking about obedience, but you can't talk about obedience without talking about grace. Okay, so I'm going to be going through a, a, an obedience thing. But if you're like one of those people that have been in those situations where you're always on yourself about making sure, please understand that this message is geared totally and solidly, completely in the relationship with Jesus and the loving hands of the Father, which means that God knows exactly where you are at, God knows exactly what you need, and God can walk you through. So this isn't about a, oh my word, I got so many things I got to do. No, this is about gearing your mind in the appropriate place and understanding that trusting in God is the only way that you can do it. Okay? If you try to do what I'm going to be talking about today on your own, you are going to get burned out and you're going you're gonna to have epic failure. But if you trust in God to walk you through your life and those failures, you will grow. So... Just, that's the preface. Okay? So, last week, we talked about calling Jesus Nazarene and how that referenced, and there was a play on words, and that he was the branch off, and we, and that also that, that word, you know, that Nazarene, meaning somebody consecrated, somebody vowed. So, we being followers of Jesus, meaning that we are submissive, consecrated unto him, morally reverent in faith hearing in faith following and in faith living the life that can only come from the word that meaning jesus example of uh so so this next little piece right here 
is a little example. And I gave Logan and I gave Everett a microphone. So they are going to be, I'm going to be asking questions and they're going to respond. They have no idea what I'm asking. This was totally, completely cold. Okay. So, so here it goes. Logan Everett, I want you to picture yourself on the edge of Hellcrick. Standing on the edge. And I came up to you and I said, Logan Everett, go across to the other side. What would you look at me and say? There's no boat. There's no possibility of a boat. And in order to cover Everett's next logical question, no, I am not calling the Army engineers in to build a bridge for you. Okay, this is not happening. All right. What would be your first statement to me upon just hearing that you're standing on the edge? What would be your statement to me? How much will you pay me? Like I said, this was cold. Logan. <laughs> And no, you cannot use his answer. It just doesn't work. No, I'm kidding. I'm just... uh, no, thank you. No, thank you, right? Okay. How much? How much? You... I, I love Everett's type deal. Well, for a price. I like that. That's, that's good. I like that. And Logan is, no, thank you. Okay. What if, what if I tell you, well, God asked me to tell you this. What then? No, go ahead. Everett? I have no money. I'm broke. I'm a pastor. You know, just, just. I, think, I think I have keys, and I have Kleenex in my pocket, and I have a chaplain's coin. There you are. That's it. So what do you say? What, what, what if I told you that God told me to tell you to go across the water? We say that. There's a whole lot of silence here. Is this a C previous answer? What do you think, Logan? Are you sure about that? Are you sure? Are you sure? It's uh, a good question. That is a very good question, Everett. What about? How am I supposed to know? How right? How am I? Very good. Very good. Exactly what I was looking for. Exactly what I was looking. How am I supposed to know that God told you to do that? Now, let me put you into a different set of circumstances right now. Same location, same place, same question. But at this point in time, you have seen God's hand work. You have either seen it or you've heard about it, about how God delivered you from the Egyptians and how he has walked you through and how he has, you know, like uh, parted the waters and how he has done all these things. And I'm telling you that God is going to prove his faithfulness and everything that he's going to do. But I have no proof for you right now other than what has happened and your trust in the fact that I am following after what God is asking me to have you do. What do you respond then? And it honestly is completely okay for you to say, 
He had. I'm out. Okay. What do you think, Everett? Just cold. I'd probably do it. You'd probably, you'd probably think so? Logan, what do you think? If in the event that I'd seen it happen, uh, hesitantly, I would eventually do it. See? And that's a very Thomas answer, by the way. Very good. Okay? Because the story I'm going to, I'm about ready to read for you is not just a couple people. And you can turn off your microphones so you can set them aside. But the story that I'm about ready to tell you is not just a couple people, but it's an entire nation. Right? Okay. So flip over with me to Joshua. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. So if you're wondering. I normally have to do that, by the way. So, And, and I still missed it. So I'm, I'm just telling you right now. So Joshua chapter 3. In Joshua chapter 3, then Joshua rose early, verse 1, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. Okay, there was no bridge. Somebody didn't come over there and all of a sudden install the Golden Gate Bridge across the Jordan. It didn't happen. All right. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, and Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Okay. Note that they're close to the water. They're supposed to be crossing over the Jordan. Are you willing to listen and obey the representatives of God? They didn't have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. They had no clue what they were doing other than hearing the instruction that was given from a person who was saying, I'm the messenger of God. And he's saying to sanctify, set apart, make holy, morally. Which means that when somebody says sanctify yourself, you're like, okay, what does this mean? This means making sure that everything is, any, anything that needs to be forgiven gets forgiven. Anything that needs to be done needs to be done. You need to have yourself clean. You have, need to have yourself already ready and prepared, both in body as well as mind and in heart. Sanctify yourselves before the Lord God. That's a lot of steps. That's a lot of preparation for something that you have no idea what's going to go on. I mean, notice two people here, and I'm just talking 
and you notice their reactions, and this was just a hypothetical. These are people that have to do it. In verse 7, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. Joshua, by the way, said to Joshua, in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Ammonites and the Jebusites and any other sites you want to actually put it in their mind. Okay, anyway. But please note the word from the Lord that he was going to exalt and that he was going to was going to go to Joshua. Joshua then told the priests. The priests, everything that God is saying that he is going to exalt required an obedience level because in order to, for, for God to show forth that he was going to walk them through, they had to be doing what it was that they were asked to do in faith believing that it was going to happen. They have no proof. God will exalt, but in order for him to exalt, you have to be willing to walk. God, I cannot do this in my life because what you're asking me to do is impossible. You need to show me a sign in order for me to know that this is a way that you're going to be there on the other path. And all he tells you is that I will do what I say I'm going to do, but you're going to have to walk it. You're going to have to put the foot forward and do it with no proof that anything is going to be there other than my past experiences or your past experiences of what God has already walked you through. That's all you got to go on. Or the testimonies of a grandparent or a parent or a great-grandparent that says to you, I know the relationship with God is tough right now, but if you trust in him, he will come through. You got to know that there was a lot of conversations going on with family members and people to say, listen, God will make it through. Listen to what I have to tell you. Listen to all the things that God has done. Listen to the things that you have. But all you have is the testimony of that which in order so that you can build and that you can actually go. No proof. Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take 
for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratam. So the water, so the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. That wasn't a 15-minute trek, by the way. It would have taken hours for them to all cross over. We often look for facts in order before we step, but God says to step without any facts other than who he is. You can always bank on the goodness of God. You can always bank on exactly what God is going to do. If it is the right thing to do, you do that right thing. If all you know to do is that one right thing, that's what you do. I don't know where to go. I, I keep on praying. I keep on asking God, is, what do I need to do? The one right thing you know is the thing that you can do. Well, I know that the right thing that I can do right now, I don't know what I can do, but I can definitely pray and seek God. Okay, then you pray and seek God. Well, maybe I might be able to spend a little time in Scripture. Then spend a little time in Scripture. You know what? I know of a person that actually needs a, a helping hand. That is the one right thing that I can actually do. I'm going to go and do that. And then as you walk, you find yourself crossing on dry ground. Do the one right thing. They were told to sanctify themselves, no proof. They were told that all these people that are up against you will be driven away, no proof. Follow the priests, no proof. The faith and obedience of the people, then they found the proof. And later on, in the very next chapter, I won't go into it, but later on in that very next chapter, they picked up a, a stone from the bottom as a memorial, and that will come into play later on. Back in Romans chapter 12, Craig, I didn't keep my finger in there. Well, just find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then you'll, you'll trip over back over to Romans. So in Romans, when Paul is beseeching the people and says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. 
in Romans 8, 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together till now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, and this is it. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen, no proof, hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Cross over the Jordan, and if you actually go in there and stand in the midst and set the ark down, I'm going to stop the waters and the waters, and you're going to walk over on dry land. Where's the proof? How much are you going to give me if I actually go across that? What's the deal you're going to make me if I try this? No deal. No money. No proof other than the fact that I've walked you through your life, your entire life from before you were born all the way till now, and I have never let go of you, and I will never let go of you, but trust in me. Our hope is found in the promise. Our obedience develops the memories, the testimonies. The memories are the proof that we are the followers of the man from Nazarene, from Nazareth, who being dedicated, we dedicate ourselves. What is God looking for? A heart following after God, not because we are told or instructed, but because it is something that we need to do in our heart. Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were, with, who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with your mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, I want to reference something here. Isaiah 29, 13. I'm 
I don't know about you, but I've always found it was easier to find Jeremiah before I, you know, and then I, you just go um, a little bit back. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Notice this. The fear toward me was taught by the commandment of men. I'm going to put this in a little bit different way. These are, this is the scriptures. This is the ones that, that put the name of God back in. And Yahweh says, because of this people has drawn near with its mouth and with its lips, they have esteemed me and it has kept its heart far from me. And their fear of me has become a command of men that is taught. So instead of fearing God because you need to fear God, remember that heart dedication, they're fearing God because somebody else is telling them this is how you fear God and instructing them. Okay? Now, the Tanakh. Because that people has approached me with its mouth and honored me with its lips, but has kept its heart far from me, and its worship of me has been a commandment of men learned by rote. Oh, now we have a little bit, a little bit deeper definition. Learned by rote. Now we're having something that is memorized. I'm fearing God because that's what I need to do. Fearing God because that's what I need to do over and over and over again. Well, Greg, when are you going to get to the real stuff? King James Version. Okay? Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. God's issue... I also, I also have the 1537, but I won't go in there. What I'm saying is, you can't teach the fear of God. The only way that you can learn to fear God, to have that one-on-one -on -one communication, is to know God, and the only way to know God is to accept Jesus, and the only way to allow that fear of God, not the kind of like, oh my word, I can't do anything, but that I honor and respect God. Why is it that... God want, doesn't want a group of people, but he wants the individual person to honor and to fear him because I can't teach the fear of God. The only thing that I can do is get to know God and you get to know God. And so that when we are working together collectively as an honor and respect to God, why do I do things? Because I have the fear of God. Not because I'm fearful, but because I honor and respect God Almighty. God's issue with the people was the fact that all they were doing is just following after the commandments of men. How do I know that this is an issue today? Because I will tell you right now, you can go into any religious organization right now and you will find 
laws and rules governing people's actions with one another. Turns out all you need to do is you need to honor God with your heart and your mind, allowing yourself to respect and honor the people. I don't know, might actually be the fact that when Jesus responded with these simple two things, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If what you are doing is not loving to either which one of those parties, Why? Why do I love my enemy? Because you know what? Jesus loved my enemy when he died on the cross. Why do I forgive when something is done towards me? Because God forgave me through the precious blood of Jesus. How do you know? you got to step into the water in order to understand that the dry ground will be there. It is by obedience, but it is not by obedience by the dictates of man. It is not by the precepts of any person that coming in. It is by simply this. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? And if you don't, learn how to love. Go to God and say, I want to know how to love you. And I have more verses, of course, but I won't go any further than this. But if you love God, you know, there was a gentleman who received a lot and a lot of, of finger pointing and ridicule. And he stood up and he said, you know, I've been for the past little while, I've been getting a lot of finger points and whatever. And here's the thing. I love people not because for people. I love people because I love God. And because I love God, I love people. Because I know God loves people. It's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Why am I making this point? I deeply, deeply desire for you to understand what it means to take your relationship throughout the week, your worship, which is you living, take your worship and then come back on Sunday and see what kind of difference you find. I don't know about you, but when I take my worship from the week and I come in here, I come excited because I am looking forward to what is God going to do? What is, what is Mike going to teach for adult Sunday school class? What is going to happen for down in the Sunday school class? What is the kids going to come up with? What's going to happen? And who's going to need the prayer? Who's going to need the love? Who's going to need the consideration? That's exciting. Why? Because right here, we have a little portion of the body of Christ right here, and we get a chance to, to get to know one another, and to pray for one another, and to care for one another and to laugh with one another, and to have fun with one another. Because one day, this little group is going to join a much bigger group. 
And we are going to be up in heaven and we're going to be praising the Father that we are walking after and that we are serving. And that's kind of what we're looking forward to. At least I hope you're looking forward to it because I'm looking forward to it. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for everything you do and who you are. I want to thank you for how you teach us, how you love us, and how you walk us through. I pray, Father, that we may just have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. And I pray, Father, that we may worship you throughout the week. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and taking the time. I hope that you enjoyed this series. If you would like to follow this podcast as well as other podcasts, you may go to agjordanmt.com. I hope you have a wonderful day.